Alright, welcome back. We are here, Quentin, and this week we are uh, Lethal Objections. Um, Quentin, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. We talked for a little bit uh, before we started recording. I've just been uh, watching basketball and uh, reading Bleach. I didn't, I didn't uh, watch or read Bleach when it was originally going. Like, as a kid, like, I was a... I was a Naruto kid. I watched Naruto and kept up with Naruto. I even I've definitely I've read the Naruto manga too, like eventually. But I would see Bleach on the Adult Swim schedule, and I would just skip over it. I don't know why. I just like skipped over Bleach. But uh, I've been going back and uh, mainly reading it because the manga. I mean, because the anime has like almost like four or five seasons where it's like all like non-canon filler for some reason. So like. Mainly been reading it, but just a lot of NBA and uh, Bleach for me lately. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's, you know, it works. It's it's definitely worthwhile. Me, I'm doing much better. <laughs> I talked about possibly going on strike. It's not happening. They uh, gave in finally. I think the new CEO um, was trying to set the tone that they're not going to be as buddy buddy with uh, with labor as the former CEO who unfortunately passed away um, in late 2019 was um the old ceo was really really fantastic with that stuff new one is probably i think trying to say hey don't expect me to just roll over for you guys and give you everything you want so made a big stink came really close to the brink got the uh, tentative agreement literally like in the morning on saturday uh the saturday before we were supposed to go on strike that monday um so yeah that was uh exciting so got the new contract everything's good and uh my boss got covid which um, I didn't think the union really needed to get that. You know, that was making me going a little bit too far. But if it's in the contract, I guess, fine. My boss has to get COVID. Um, I, I appreciate it, but maybe a step too far. You guys, uh, you guys drove, drove a hard bargain in yeah, negotiations. They, they really did. So, uh, so it's, been a, it's been a crazy week um, with that. But uh, otherwise, I'm starting to like this new dog. Have I talked about the dog on the podcast or just to you in, in, privately? Uh, Oh yeah, I don't think you mentioned. I don't. I don't think you mentioned the, the dog. So for years, I've had a pit bull that's like amazing. You could like never even hear it. Doesn't make any noise. This new dog barks, and and you might pick it up in the background of podcasts now. Moving forward, we've had him for maybe about two months, almost at this point, probably maybe even a little bit more. Um, he's a terrier, and just I don't know. Terriers are just not my thing. So for a long time i was getting really frustrated and just having a hard time with him his energy he's a puppy we didn't want him to be a pu- we wouldn't have chose to get a puppy but my wife kind of found him he was tied in a shopping cart in front of our apartment um and you know she's like why is this dog just sitting out in the sun because this was in the middle of the summer here in la and the person who owned it was like oh that's my dog do you want to buy it or whatever so we just she took it and we got it all checked out and he's good but over the past couple of weeks, I'm starting to, he's being a lot more sweet. He comes over and he lays on me and he tries to cuddle. And, and I'm just starting to understand that like his personality, when he's, when I think he's being annoying, he's actually just trying to like hang out with me and be buddies. So I'm starting to appreciate him a lot more and uh, it's good. It's nice. It's nice to, uh, to open up and get to know this new dog and actually, uh, actually enjoy hanging out with him. So it's been fun. Um, Small dog, small dogs, like you have to like, cause they'll do, cause they'll do stuff like they'll like, like grab like shoes and slippers yeah. and stuff like that. So like, what you have to do is like, give them like an alternative, like go play with them or whatever. So like, 
like kind of like kind of go playing fetch, go play catch, and like entice them with something else. Like hope, like you know, ideally want like something like a toy, or if you want to like throw away a sock or whatever, you don't care about a sock. Like go like play tug of war with a sock with them, or throw a sock back and forth. But like stuff like that, like that definitely goes like a long way with um with like small dog puppies. I know I know that like is going on right now with a friend of mine trying to uh train like her uh her small dog so it's like it, it like it, it happens it happens like that all the time with small dogs and like it's it, yours is about at that age now we're probably we're probably we're probably should still be uh just start settling just start settling down yeah i'm hoping so but yeah definitely all of that is true he finds shoes he finds everything he can to chew up i can't we had to move everything because my wife has a bunch of records so all of like her records had to get moved. Anything that was on the bottom shelves, because he was finding it and chewing it up. But yeah, just gotta get like you said, gotta play with them, give a give them some uh, some attention, exercise, all that. We're, we're we're working on it. And now that again, now that I'm not going out on strike, hopefully we will we'll have the extra money to pay for some training. Because my wife, uh, she works at a pet pet company, pet store company, and they have a, a some training that we can get like a pretty good deal on. So we're gonna do some some obedience training stuff with him and looking forward to all that um so that's been life i <laughs> but out uh, uh i guess the 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 title of the episode and the important news coming out we're going to talk about aew full gear here um but the big kind of news story coming out of it which sucks that this is what kind of overshadows the main event um aew signs jay lethal and my first reaction was kind of to go to the stuff that I've said on the podcast before. Uh, that there's not a ton of available black wrestlers that you could theoretically push as top-level stars that were free agents at the time. So all of the talk that people have about AEW not having you know black wrestlers. And I talked about, oh, they signed Leo Moriarty, who's a, you know, a positive... But the second that someone like Jay Lethal is a free agent and he's one of the first one they signed, it it went to my point that once we see what AEW does when there are you know black wrestlers who are available if they're signing them and using them, then we can then you can start picking them apart. But there's really nobody available. And Jay Lethal was like no matter your opinion on the other stuff, which we will definitely talk about. Jay Lethal has been on TV for over a decade now. Jay Lethal has been presented as a top level guy in a top, you know, one of the top companies in America for just as long. He's had memorable interactions with legendary wrestlers. Like, you can't say that Jay Lethal isn't a guy that comparatively is one of the bigger stars that was a freelancer that they could sign and has, again, that history on television. He's a known name, you know, all that stuff. So he was, in that regard, a, a person that they could not not sign. They couldn't. Not they couldn't pass up him because it would look really bad. That says he comes with a ton of baggage and it might end up not being worth it for them. But uh, Quentin, what was your first thoughts when you when you saw Jay Lethal come walking out on the stage? Did not predict it. Did not see it coming. I would assume. Oh uh, yeah, like the first person that would have wouldn't have came to mind is Jay Lethal, but I guess he is like one of the. I guess he, you know, other than the Briscoes, I guess like the biggest star. Um, that was coming out of like uh, ROH's hiatus, but like I think like a lot of people, like the first thing that came to mind was like uh, Jay Lethal's allegations that came out during speaking out, 
And for uh, for a lot of people, I think it was easy to look look at Jay Lethal's situation and like see like how good he was in with the company and like think that like they are like that company already made his decision. They'd already got rid of Kelly Klein for like various reasons and stuff like that. They've already got rid of Taylor Hendricks. Like they've already made their position clear numerous times regarding Jay Lethal that it wasn't surprising to see him maintain his job there and be able to uh, work there and uh, not face the same treatment that uh, that Marty's that Marty's girl faced. But it definitely doesn't doesn't shock me to see Jay Lethal uh, pop up in AEW. And one of the first things people are saying, and I can't say this is like an overwhelming opinion because like it's still Twitter and Twitter can still be a vocal minority, but. You know, people bringing back up the uh, Jay Lethal allegations from speaking out. And, you know, we got so wrapped up in Marty's Girls allegations that I feel like Lethal's get swept under the rug. And uh, if, you al- if you'll allow me for a second, I want to read off some of what Jay Lethal was accused of. Oh, please, okay with you. please. You know, I guess trigger warning maybe, huh? Uh, yeah, a, tr- a trigger warning for anything pertaining to, um, you know, assault, harassing women, um... Anything regarding like degrading and the mistreatment of women. If you don't want to hear this, then you can skip forward for about uh, four minutes, I guess. On on um on or about January twenty fifth, twenty fifth, twenty seventeen, uh, Kelly Klein received an email from ROH management advising her and other wrestlers that Shipman Jay Lethal would be the new agent assigned to work with female with the female wrestlers. One day later. Klein responded to the email and, exp- and explained that she had witnessed and experienced several situations with Shipman that made her uncomfort- uncomfortable to work with him. She advised ROH management that she was not willing to work with Shipman and requested that another agent be assigned to her matches. Klein went on to explain that she had not expressed this sooner or for fear of backlash or retaliation. In February of 2017, BJ Whitmer, who is married to Kelly Klein, I believe, uh, was informed that... Uh, ROH uh, knew about Kelly Klein and uh, complaining about uh, Jay Lethal because Jay Lethal went and told uh, Hunter Johnston, Delirious, the, I guess, still booker of ROH at this point about it. Still, nothing happened. In July of 2018, Sinclair, by and through their human resources department, spoke with Klein regarding another female wrestler's complaints regarding Shipman. Klein informed the department of her situation with Shipman in 2017 and was informed that no information had been received and no investigation was done. Klein also informed the department that Shipman knew she accused him of sexually harassing behavior. Uh, and we've seen the Taylor Hendricks stuff Taylor Hendricks has put out there uh, when she worked with House of Truth that pretty much she got blackballed from Ring of Honor and fired from Ring of Honor because she would not sleep with Jay Lethal. So, that's the kind of person that Jay Lethal is. That's what Jay Lethal has done. That's the kind of person that Ring of Honor protected. And, you know, we can't act like AEW is above it. They have Darby Allin on their roster currently still for as much as we may enjoy Darby Allin's wrestling. He's been accused by multiple people of abuse and sexual assault. And... Here with Jay Lethal, this is gonna this is gonna be a thing that I'm curious to see if this is just gonna be regarded as noise on Twitter. If there's gonna be something that's actually brought up on a major level, speaking out is 
you know, like a year and a, a year and a half old at this point, going on two years old at this point. So a lot of people either think the coast is clear and don't really care or forgot these things. Who exactly knows what the situation is with Jay Lethal regard, regarding this? But the first thing I'm thinking of is that Jay Lethal went from being able to strong arm women out of a, out of a promotion that he sexually um, harassed and made uncomfortable to just being able to waltz into another wrestling company. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mentioned it just on Twitter to someone who was asking about, you know, what's the background of Jay Lethal. He, he has another history of, of even just one particularly high incident, possible grooming situation with AJ Lee, um, where he was her trainer and then they ended up dating and, you know, someone else even chimed in to say when AJ was asked about it before, she acted as if she had never heard of him before um, as a way to deflect of even talking about it. So he has a history there of when he's in positions of power. I mean, fuck, like, I know it's slightly different because Millie was legally underage, but it was a similar story. We talked about Millie McKenzie and Travis Banks, another creep who's trying to poke his head around again and... And uh, who knows what's going on there. But when people are talking about that, like the power indifference of a trainer, especially in wrestling, we've talked about it on the podcast, in sports in general, taking advantage of that position of power over someone um, is just, it's fucking gross. And this is a guy who has a history of that. And then he's being put in a a power position over the women um, in ROH there. And when someone speaks up and says something, again, we saw what ended up happening with Kelly Klein in ROH and, and they literally like, shit candor while she was having fucking concussion syndromes and was talking about possibly like you know having some kind of cte um so who even knows what like how 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 much like roh could have been involved in that but no no let's just sweep it all under the rug and make her disappear same thing with the taylor hendrix who i mean to be completely fair right taylor hendrix maybe not the best wrestler but there's no reason why she shouldn't be getting any work at all like she was good enough. Like I, I honestly, towards the end, she she absolutely she absolutely got blackballed by from wrestling yeah. for sure. Yeah, like there was no reason why she wouldn't be getting any bookings with the level of wrestlers who do get bookings. And she worked, you know, she had she had a look. She has her look. She had her, the charisma, and she was a solid enough wrestler. I've seen her live multiple times and and thought that she was good. You know what I mean? Like good enough to be booked places, not like. There's no reason why she should just completely disappear. Um, and that comes down to, yeah, like Jay Lethal, unfortunately, seems like the kind of guy who takes advantage of his power, likes to manipulate and and feel like he's in control, and specifically seems to enjoy doing that to, to women. Um, and it fucking sucks. But in some ways, it's almost like a good thing that his level of power and control that he had in ROH is going to be diminished. You know, he's not ROH and everything that's happening here is not going to have a spot for a guy like that anymore because they're not as big of a, that kind of company anymore, which in some ways is a good thing. Um, it just, it's fucking terrible that that's the way it had to come about that. Like ROH had to downsize for something like this to stop. Um, so yeah. And like I said, it fucking sucks that so many people were, that was all that they could talk about as the pay-per-view then was going on because uh, there was like the main event still happening and, and the big, you know, the big title change that everyone should have been super excited about. And I think people still enjoyed it, but it was overshadowed by something that uh, 
more important, obviously, but also like something that's uh, just really a, a fucking bummer <laughs> and something that we shouldn't be having to talk about because like I talked about it, it was, it was a signing that felt like an, a, like an AEW has to make because they have to, you know, they, they get questions so much about what they do with black talent. But uh, at the same time, uh, it's probably a signing that they should not have made in light of everything that was going on. And they definitely shouldn't have thought that it was like so free and clear that they could throw it out in the open in the middle of the fucking pay-per-view. That's the part that seems so tone deaf. You could have done this quietly. You could have announced this online on Twitter. You could have, you know what I mean? There's tons of other ways that they could do this. Why did they think that Jay Lethal was the kind of guy that needed to get announced in the middle of the pay-per-view? That, that, that yeah, why, yeah, why did Jay Lethal want, like, like, realist, like, realistically, is Jay Lethal a bigger star than Bobby Fish? Right, like, right. <laughs> like, 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 realistically, like, yes, is Jay Lethal more accomplished? Is Jay Lethal, like, probably the better career wrestler? Yeah, of course. But is Jay Lethal a bigger star than Bobby yeah, Fish? Right. Like, name. part of Red Dragon and then the Undisputed Era, and then you see how they brought Bobby Fish in? No, like, they didn't need to bring in Jay Lethal like it was like this big surprise either. Yeah, it just—I think it just goes to show. Like, I can't imagine that they had no idea about the Jay Lethal accusations. But again, it goes back into the stuff you're talking about—that it's Twitter and it's a bubble and it's a niche of a niche and all this. That like, they really thought that enough people would just not know, and so it just doesn't matter. You don't even have to worry about de- debuting him this way. Um. So yeah, that's uh. That's a bummer. You got anything? Okay, so, so um, I saw um obviously like you know uh, great writer J.R. Goldberg posted a really good tweet and said uh pretty much fuck it they're just the Jay Lethal hiring this is the is pretty much to see if they can get away what hire what bringing in Marty's girl yeah and it's like yeah you know what at this point again like people can make all these different um excuses and say whatever that like they didn't know what they didn't know like you know you people can people can say that but uh, uh, can, can they get away with doing marty scarl i i don't think so can they get away with that so. one? do you i want to say no but like i feel like people like view like marty and jay lethal situations like differently in marty's is treat is is a uh, i guess is more uh more talk more talked about people just kind of like let J- it felt like in the grand scheme of things jay lethal's just kind of got let go of as to where marty Skrull and travis banks and others were quote-unquote exiled so I don't I don't know if you could do Marty, but like after after this, would it shock you if they tried? I would feel like yes, it would still shock me if they tried, but I don't know, I don't know, because I mean they let they fired Jimmy Havoc because of accusations from speaking out. Yeah, like if I, okay, yeah, you can't. Oh, that's a good. That's a good. I forgot, man. How long ago did it feel like yeah, Jimmy yeah, Havoc was in AEW, forever. right? And hopefully, they're like, hopefully, you keep forgetting, you know. Yeah, but yeah, but like, you definitely can't act like you don't know about Marty. I think that you can. You can get away with acting like you don't know about Jay Lethal. Sure. You whether you believe whether you believe it or not, 
you can get away with acting like you don't know about the. Well, and the fact stuff. that they that you can't ROH act just like you don't know about back. the Marty stuff. The fact that he's just been on ROH the whole time, you can kind of say, you know what I mean, give that the pass and be like, well, he's just been on TV, so why is it any different? Right. But uh, but Marty's gone. Do you think that? Do you, do you think do you, do you think that do you think that Gresham turned them down or like what do you what do you think like? Could you imagine like? Gresham is still out there. A Brody King, like you got. Yeah, I, I would imagine they would. They probably want to bring in Brody King. I think Brody is a negotiation situation because I think ROH or not ROH, New Japan is interested in him clearly, um, and he's sh- he's shown up yeah. on the New Japan shows since everything happened already. So I think I honestly think that Brody is like that's what he's thinking about. Um, he's trying to decide what he wants to do. I think is what's going on there probably. Um, you got to think that they're interested in Brody because obviously he's PWG tag champion with one of their top stars at like currently. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, Grisham Grisham's an interesting one because he's opening up his own promotion and clearly I think probably part of that is going to be trying to open up a school. I would guess is where he's going from there. Probably going to do that, that kind of side of everything. So be interesting to know where his head's at if he's if he's taking this as like more of a you know running the roh school and that whole setup he he enjoyed and he kind of wants to stick with that more than he wants to try to be a tv wrestling star i wouldn't be shocked um that said i mean he might still end up in aew just in a smaller role you know what i mean um so I wouldn't be surprised if right. he shows up, but the reason why they're not announcing it is because he's not going to sign up to be a full-time, you know, roster member guy and be more of a special attraction, not special attraction, but kind of like, you know what I mean? Someone who shows up and does like stuff on dark and elevation and things like that, but it, you know, isn't like a, a full-time push to commodity. I wouldn't be shocked um, if that's where he's, where he's at. Do you, do you have any? Do you have any more on uh the lethal no, stuff? No, no, that's a uh, that's it for me when it comes to comes to that. I just yeah, I'm just kind of shocked that they even tried this. But at the same time, I'm kind of not because, like I said, you know, they can just easily pass it off. Like, well, you know, he's already on TV, so we figured that he's just fine. People were just over it. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and like you, you can't tell me that they don't know right. about Darby. No, no, I know. I mean, I mean, like Penelope. Well, not Penelope. What the fuck am I? Uh, what is? I don't even know what her new name is. But uh, Priscilla Kelly was like wrestled in the company. Got they got divorced. She's she's been, it's been very odd because she's like defended Darby in some ways and then also like said some things that sounds like she's saying she's seen shit from him as well. So it's very tough to go off of that. But so it's like, yeah, I wouldn't think that they uh, would have no idea. They have to they have to be aware of of what's going on there and uh i mean maybe that's just aew's thing i mean you talk about it and everyone wants to believe that they're so great but kind of see the 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 chinks in the in the kind of armor of how perfect aew is with stuff like that and with the little things where you 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 know that you know that tony khan is gotten to and and sees this stuff like when the press junket thing where he's like i don't get enough credit for how good i've done with the women's division you know what I mean? Like, like saying something like that just makes it clear. Like, okay, so you know what people are saying 
and it's it's obvious that he is that he is reacting to the stuff you can't try to pretend like he isn't reacting to it so in that regard he has to know about all the other stuff too or you at least somewhat be aware of it so yeah i think that they just try to play dumb as much as they can get away with it um we ready for ready for full gear gear um the uh did you watch the buy-in the pre-show uh, I don't know. Was it uh, was it like was it like some Hardy Family no, Office no, thing or something? No, it's a trios tag, or is it a regular tag? A regular tag. Um, Sheeta and Thunder Rosa versus Jamie Hader and Nyla Rose. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's, it was fine. The the Hardy Family stuff was the main event of um, Rampage. It was their spot? Oh, gotcha. That's fine. Just a regular tag match. It's kind of long, but it's on the pre-show, so it doesn't matter. Um, open up the show with uh, Darby Allen versus MJF. Um, I was excited about this coming into it because MJF has been one of the solid, like solid matches on every pay-per-view. He's been in one of the better matches. His performances have been great. Darby equally the same. Um, on AEW pay-per-views brings it big. So these two, the build was great. The setup was great. Yeah, I was I was excited for this. But Quentin, were you? What were you like coming into this? And what did you think of the match? I was excited for this. I think other than Punk Kingston, which you know just came out of nowhere and like stole everyone's hearts. I think this was the mo- the match I was most looking forward to. I thought this was I thought this was great. Uh, I, thought, I thought the ma- I thought the match was really awesome. I was surprised to see some of some of our friends weren't really into it. And I was just like I was like, oh, like I don't really know what there what what there was there to not like about it. Like obviously MJF's calling card isn't his work rate. If you want if you want to if you want to use that term. That's not his calling card or what you would think his calling card would be. But MJF is also what, like twenty five or twenty six or whatever at this point? And if you know MJF, you also know that he that he also can do all the high spots and athletic stuff. We've seen him, we've seen him do it in limited spots, and he doesn't really get to do it. So I was fine with him going out there and being able to fuck around with Darby for a bit because he went right back to went right back to his heel tactics and was poking and poking in the eye and rick and ricking the eyes and sucker punching Darby and stuff like that. You got great selling from Darby for for on for Darby's back and MGF, uh, with the uh, with the um selling his selling his leg, and the the spots here looked really really clean. Some stuff that you see people mess up on and stuff that can look clunky looked really looked really good from them. The pop up into the into the Yoshi tonic and the power breaker from MJF looked fucking brutal. It. It did all the big spots, all the fancier work rate, work ratey stuff. It made it, that all looked phenomenal. And then, uh, I know our friend Evan specifically was wasn't really into the finish. And like, I, I don't know. I felt like it was a little like for me. I guess it's, it's a little weird to complain about MJF being uh, sympathetic because he's selling so much and also doing a work rate match. But then also being like, oh, I don't like him winning by hitting Darby with the with the diamond with the diamond ring. Yeah. So like, so like I don't so like I don't, so like I don't really know like, like like which it is there. 
I feel like everything about it succeeded. I feel like MJF had a great performance. I feel like he still stayed true to the heel roots and still got to show off a bit in a way that he doesn't really get to do. Darby is Darby is great, and they had great chemistry, and I want to see them do it yeah. again. What's interesting here, um, and, and the commentary mentioned something that kind of made made kind of the whole thing a little bit odd for me to think about, uh, is that the, the, the commentary pointed out that these guys basically... Uh, Darby had his first match like, you know, six days, seven days before uh, MJF had his first match, um, and that these guys have both been wrestling about six years. I thought that was kind of kind of crazy to think. Um, you know, I guess it's not shocking, but just where they're at in six years is pretty fucking impressive. And I think that uh, don't think about it. At least I don't necessarily think about how just how close these two really are tied in that regard. Um, and just some of the kind of the background stuff that maybe like I've heard over the years about MJF, um, from people who have, you know, interacted with him and, and some things that, you know, we found out, um, from people, but like six years and MJF's background when it comes to being a fan of wrestling, um, you know, you'll hear from, from Meltzer about how much. MJF studies tape and, you know, he's, he's so, so well versed and well knowledge, you know, he's got this giant knowledge base in wrestling, but when he started out wrestling, I mean, how big of a knowledge base did he really have? That's the funny thing. It's like, okay, this guy clearly puts a lot of effort into studying tape now, but when he first started <laughs> six years ago, uh, his name was, uh, Maxwell Jacob Feinstein, right? And that was because the his trainer at his school was pulling a rib on him and he didn't know who Rob Feinstein was. You know? So that just shows like where he was at when it came to his fandom and knowing all this stuff. And he was a fucking kid, sure, but six years ago he didn't know who, you know, Rob Feinstein was. So then now you say like he's so knowledgeable about everything and all this stuff. It's just it's just very interesting to think about that. When he started out wrestling, how much background and studying of, of wrestling did he really have and in six years he's become this guy who people talk about like oh he's like, so knowledgeable and he, he studies everything and he knows all this this stuff and it does kind of go into like how old school really is his knowledge how much background does he really have and uh how much is he just a contemporary wrestler who you know to use a, a word that is kind of contentious for people like cosplays the old school thing um, something that people try to point at, uh, like FTR who are in the next match people, I've heard people recently saying this, like, oh, they're just, they're just, all they do is spot matches and pretend like they're these old school wrestlers, but you know, whatever. Um, which, you know, I could see the criticism, but MJF is the same thing. Like people just talk about him and they say like, oh, he, you know, he's the, he's uh like a new Roddy Piper and all this, and that. but it's like, ugh, fuck when you talk about it, he does like high spot matches and he always did in the Indies a lot more. He's toned it down a ton and he's clearly really focused on doing more of like you know trying to do that kind of storytelling matches but at his heart he's still kind of like that kind of wrestler um but that said like i said like that that background and all that it's also kind of interesting and unique because in this match i saw something in him that's a little bit different because that trope of the trope of this kind of heel and i think what people expect and what they want to see is this kind of heel and it's kind of like i've heard it used as the the trope to describe like rick flair um the guy who's He's so good that he could do it clean and what he gets the heat because he chooses to cheat. Like he would be good enough that he could win on his own, 
but he chooses to cheat and that's what that's what gets the heat that's what pisses you off and mjf kind of comes across that way but when you watch the psychology and the story of the match that's not the match or the story that he told here at all the story here was that he's faking this bravado and having the mind games to act as if he can i can beat darby allen with a headlock takeover but as you watch throughout the match he's not better than darby (laughs) he has to cheat he would not beat darby clean he's not better than darby as a wrestler all the stuff that he's talking is false bravado his knees getting fucked up and he's too you know he's his game plan and he's so gotten to that he's still doing stuff that's fucking up his own knee because he's not thinking and he's just too caught up in trying to prove that he's better than Darby and he's not and he falls short the entire time so then when he has to cheat that's where he comes through and that's where he shines and that's why the finish in a weird way works because throughout the entire match he went over the top kind of trying to prove that he could out wrestle Darby but he just really couldn't and he kept fucking himself up along the way like messing up his knee worse and worse to try to prove that he could out wrestle Darby um, and then in the end, the way he was able to beat Darby is that he outthought Darby because he had a plan and he had a backup plan and he had another backup plan. It's like he had Wardlow, but that got cut off by Sting. He tried to do the skateboard trick, but Darby didn't fall for it. So then what, finally he's got the ring. So to me, I was just like, okay, that's, that kind of is perfect. That's the perfect story to tell with this guy. He's not the Ric Flair. I'm so good, but I could beat you if I wanted to, but I'd rather cheat because I'm a dick he's he's doing the i'm just not that good but i play mind games and i talk this big game but i just can't actually hold up to it so i have to cheat so i have to really outthink it and have a backup plan for the backup plan because you know that that's the my only chance my chance is i'm going to outthink you my chance is not that i'm going to out wrestle you so i kind of actually really enjoyed that for the story that you told here and darby doesn't lose anything coming out of it because the entire match the story that was told was darby's better darby's the better wrestler you can't come out of this match seeing it any other way. And I think that that was, a, that was kind of important because Darby needs to be kept really strong. And MJF, you know, obviously, I think, needs to be prepared to, to start moving up to the heavyweight title. So you kind of ended up with the perfect finish, as far as I was concerned, for serving those both masters. You get both guys still look really strong coming out of this match. And MJF is prepared to go for the world title. So that was kind of my, my takeaway on the whole thing. Um what do you think of the match itself, though? Like, like I think you're really into the booking, but like, what do you oh, think I thought of the it was itself? executed like, great. Like I thought it was I fantastic. I thought that both guys looked fantastic. I thought the selling was really good. I thought, like I said, I liked the MJF selling because I thought that it worked into the story that's being told here. Um, I thought, yeah, like I definitely do think that there is a little bit too kind of what Evan said about this is a little bit too sympathetic for MJF, but in the end, like I said, because he's such a piece of shit, um, it doesn't matter. I, th- I think I think he's also ju- I think he's also just a good sure. seller. Like, I don't, like I don't know. I guess part part of it feels like I guess like you find different ways to sell, but he's just supposed to be like just be less good at selling. Well, I, I mean, here's the question comes down to is is he a better seller than Nick Gage? Because um, that's the that's the debate going on right now. Um, like, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, he's a good seller, and I think that in this storyline, the selling could be sympathy but for the story of this match i think the the selling show was just showing weakness like i was saying it shows that he's he's just not that he's not tough he's not tough and he's not a better wrestler and so that's why he was selling so much that like he was getting his ass kicked because he was um so yeah that was i liked the match quite a bit um follow this up aew world tag team titles 
FTR versus the Lucha Brothers. Um, I kind of referenced it, but this match definitely, with kind of having that thought in my mind that I've been hearing more and more people say, the like FTR kind of are cosplaying the old school wrestling. There was some stuff in here that I really kind of saw that. Um, one thing in particular, like they tied a, and this is not a hundred percent on FTR, but they t they tie a Pentagon's mask into the ropes, and Rick Knox is like, you know, untying it, and as he's untying it, uh they're just stomping away right on Pentagon's head. And like, I think that that makes the referee Rick Knox look weak. I think that that makes the stomps look weak. I think that again, it, like, it, like I said, it goes into like the opposite of old school. It's like overkill. You're making all of your stomps look like you have to, you can do tons of them. You know, I think the referee, if the referee is trying to do something like untie someone, then they should be backing you up and you, you shouldn't be involved. So realistically, I'm looking at it and I'm like, God, if this was like a real old school tag team, the, the, the bad guy would do one big shot. They wouldn't just stand there stomping and stomping. You know, the referee is telling you to back up, you back up. And then when you get one free shot, you sneak in and you stomp the guy's head once and then they sell it like death. And that's like the real old school stuff. So, so I was kind of seeing that and I'm just like, oh yeah, you know what? There is a little bit of that. Like they're, they can't be completely old school, obviously, but like, uh, they have to be modernized in some ways, but in some ways, like the modernizing of FTR, um, it's not the, it's not the best because you could get, you know, it's the, you can get less or you can get more from less kind of thing. Right. But, uh, either way, I thought the match was really, really solid otherwise. Um, and you know, those little details, it's just like, oh, I get it. It's a weird argument to make and care about because their matches get super over. The crowds go crazy. And, like, it's wrestling. It's fucking gimmicks. <laughs> you know, like, that's, like, we've talked about it on here. Like, what's the, the best gimmick? Like, good wrestler is a gimmick. You know, tough guy is a gimmick. Like, there's so many funny things that are gimmicks that, that like, you're mad that the, it's a gimmick that they're old school tag team. Like, I, I don't know. Are their matches good? Yeah, and and that and yeah, and that they're like still good at it and having good matches. Like, like I don't like I don't like I don't, I don't right, really yeah. get it's it. It's like sure, there's some things that I would like if they you know did it a little bit more old school personally, and I can notice it and I can see where people are coming from. But it's all fucking gimmicks. Like people are so weird the way that they they like. There was something that crossed my mind earlier that I was like, that's funny that that's like actually a gimmick. And I can't remember what it is now, but whatever. Um, it was the same as like good wrestler. You know, it's just a very funny gimmick where it's like it's just something that someone says that they are and that's their character and it doesn't really matter what they do beyond that but uh but yeah i mean i i really enjoyed this i thought that the finish the finish on this sucked comparatively like the match before i really liked the finish this i did not like the finish oh this this finish was this finish yeah. was fucking horrible but, uh, yeah feel free <laughs> what did you think of the match i thought i liked i liked it. i thought it was solid um I said I said before I think uh, I think I mentioned that like while I like the Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros tag like I'm pretty sure we both agree that if it was like FTR versus Lucha Bros, FTR who probably understands that concept a little bit better of a steel cage match, um, or probably can like work a steel cage match better and I guess in a way that like we'd be we'd be more into we like we could have seen a world where FTR versus Lucha Bros was better than that FTR versus Bucks uh, I mean uh, Lucha Bros versus Bucks cage match but. That wasn't the case here. Uh, in this in this scenario, uh, FTR are a little bit a little bit are a little bit more gimmicky, uh, holding the AAA tag title. So now they uh, have the Mexican flag knee pad with the USA knee pad, and uh, I've got, got a little bit more gimmicky with it. But at the same time, these matches are still good. The match with the match with Aerostar and Samurai Del Sol was good, and this match is still good and solid too. It was the 
most of the psychology I liked, the timing I liked, the timing of the hot tags, the sequences, the action is all still fun and good and great looking spots. The finish was just fucking terrible. I don't, that was a bad idea from whoever, whoever was involved in that, the mask thing. More than anything, you talk about the stomps, if something was going to make FTR or anyone else look weak or stupid, it was the, it was the mask. And I'm usually not a stickler for that kind of stuff, but that just was really bad and didn't get over it all and was a total miscalculation and like was a real overplaying of the okay that's when doing the old school thing goes too far that just that type of stuff just doesn't work in 2021 that's not that's not gonna get over that's not gonna get over in any scenario you know so just i would have rather them kept it simple and uh kept on with the match that they were going with because they did have the crowd invested even if it wasn't like the one of the biggest matches on the show, the crowd was interested in it, and that finish just killed the crowd. Yeah, I mean, it was just confusing. It was too quick to really add anything to it. It didn't do anything for anyone, really. Like, the idea, I guess, seemed that it was supposed to be that the the, the, the freshman came in under the mask pretending like they weren't. You know, and, and as you said, the old school thing. Like, that logic, like, the Killer Bees mass confusion spot works, like, when you have tag team matches where the fucking, you know, people follow the rules of tag team matches. But, yeah, when, when they don't and everyone's in and out constantly and there's tons of double teaming and all this stuff, it doesn't matter and the crowd doesn't see it as cheating because guys are going in and out all the time. Like, that stuff just doesn't matter. Like, I I agree with the people who get really upset and say, like, you're ruining tag team matches. Like, oh, the Young Bucks not following the tag team rules ruin it. And not because, like, I'm a purist who thinks that people should follow rules, but because if you follow the rules, then that makes it mean something more when you break them and it gives you more to play with. I agree with that concept in theory. But that said, that's not the fucking world that we live in. So I can't just pretend like and force and be upset and stomp my heels at it every time it happens. You just, you go with it and you say, okay, but are these matches still good? Like I said earlier, yes. Okay, then that's all that matters. So that's the way matches are now. You can't do mass confusion. It doesn't fucking work. And it was so quick. If you're going to, if you're going to do that, if you really need to, it needed to be more. He comes in with the mask and then is instantly fucked over and loses. So what was the point? The mask didn't help in any way. He just, he, he just, look, he just looks like really an idiot. If you really wanted to do that, the way you do it is he puts the mask on, he comes in fresh, he's about to like wreck house or whatever, and then you have Penta because he's like, the, you know, he can be the cheeky, funny kind of, you know, Daffy Duck, not Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, yeah, Daffy Duck, whatever, you know, the, the, the Looney Tunes character. He comes in and he turns the mask sideways, right? So now it's like, oh, okay, he... Tried to wear a mask, but he's not used to wearing a mask because he's not a luchador. The luchador knows the tricks. He turns the mask sideways. Now the guy can't fucking see. Boom, you finish him. Now you have the same finish. You get the same cheating, all the stuff. But it makes sense why the fresh man was instantly murdered. But because you skip that step, it's like he's fresh. Oh, he did this trick. He's got a mask. He came in fresh. They've got no chance to deal with that because he's the fresh man. Oh, fuck. He's dead. <laughs> Two seconds later, he's dead. So being the fresh man did, gave him absolutely no benefit. You just completely wasted it. Like, the gimmick was just a complete fucking waste, and it becomes convoluted, and yeah, it was just, it was very, very, very dumb. But follow this up with a match that was not very, very dumb. Uh, Brian Danielson versus Miro. Um, I was super, super stoked for coming into this. Quentin, how were you feeling coming into it, and what did you think of the match? I was. I was, um, I think I was more intrigued and excited than I think the match wound up being an actual execution. I think there was a lot of intrigue here. I think that 
we look at the booking of AEW, you get kind of that feeling of like the booking still matters. So you look at the card and you're looking at full gear and you're like, okay, well, you have Kenny, you have Kenny versus Hangman, and it's the main event. It's obviously it's obviously gonna, it's obviously going to go on last. So you're looking at down the card, anything that might be a tip off to who might win. So you look at like MJF versus Darby, and MJF beats Darby. So you're looking at oh MJF MJF beats Darby, maybe that can mean Hangman is winning. And then you look at uh like a like a Brian versus Miro, and you're like hmm, depending on who wins there, that could like be a tip off to who's gonna who's gonna win in the main event. So from that perspective, I was really intrigued in Brian versus Miro, and you know Brian has been the wrestler of the year, and Miro's been great in AEW when he's gotten some stuff to sink his teeth into. So I was more excited, I think, in um. In theory, then I want then um then I think the match wound up being good in execution. It was still good. It's still solid. It's still a still a very solid match. But you know, with the run Brian has been on, with the interest that I have in Miro and the other people have in Miro, you I think I think everyone would have expected some, everyone would have expected something. Better. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, and this was an interesting one because I think that the way that it looked on paper, as you're saying, like giving stuff away, if Miro won, then it was like, okay, Hangman's definitely winning. But it was like, if Danielson wins, then either of them can win. It was like how I kind of saw it. I don't know about you. Yeah. So, yeah. so Miro comes out here and I don't know where the leg injury came from Miro, but he's taped up and he's got the neck thing. So you got like multiple kind of storyline stuff that you're doing with Miro and I... I hate to say it, but I think that that kind of affected the match because Miro, they really were setting up Miro to be on the back foot. And I don't know if it was just to try to protect him or what it was, but I think it really hurt the match because as we both said, like coming into this, I'm excited for Miro to be a badass, but I think that they still really wanted Danielson to be presented as a killer. Um, It was, it was like super slow and plotting for whatever reason. And it's like, I, I don't know, just like that just didn't really match the energy that I feel like. Like obviously you can do like a feeling out process in a match, but I feel like at 19 minutes that it was just that match just felt really yeah, really slow. I thought it was again way too much selling from Miro, um, and 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 just like you said, slow. And that's not what I clearly that's the story that they want to tell. And it's interesting because you know Danielson Danielson can have like fucking hoots. Danielson can do like really fast paced, like high octane like fireworks matches but they have not really had him do any in AEW yet and I wonder if they just don't want him doing that at all yet if that's not the character that they're trying to tell what the deal is because yeah I mean if there was any time for that to happen it was here with Miro and uh and they decided to go a completely different way like you said match was still very good but it felt like exactly what it was which was like a a mid-card pay-per-view match and not like a main event match and it's you know it's supposed to be the number one contender match, but it's not. Uh, it was not really given the the chance to be kind of like all the all the bells and whistles. It was kind of more more toned down and slow and plotting, like you said. Um, and then and then the fin- and then the finish like was a good idea, I think, but just didn't like land the way land the way they wanted they wanted yeah. it to at all. The finish was a good idea for those that haven't seen it. It's uh. Brian and Miro on the top rope, and Brian, the idea is that Brian is gonna do this like tornado DDT, I guess, and transition that into the into the um, into a, um, a guillotine choke, and it just the DDT itself 
just looks kind of clunky so it makes the transition into the into the uh into, into, into the guillotine uh clunky by uh by a product by product of that and it's a good yeah. idea i think we've we've seen people do the tornado ddt into a into a neck crank guillotine choke style thing before we've seen that but the way that Miro landed just didn't look great and there was the additional psychology of like the ddt and Miro's neck and everything so again it's a thing where in theory it sounded it sounds good it sounds like a really interesting and cool idea it just didn't land yeah, it was uh it was it was there was a lot here that they thought about and i think that like I think they overthought it here, I think is what it comes down to. I think they should have come out and they should have just had Miro be a house of fire, not tried to add in all the extra weaknesses and uh, and just had a kick-ass, like I said, like a real quick hoot kind of spark plug match. And I think everyone would have appreciated that a lot more than what we ended up getting here. But again, I don't think that that's what they want for Brian, and that's okay. We'll see what they do moving forward with him. Um, next match here, six-man tag, falls count anywhere. Um the super click versus Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. Um, I guess I don't know what should they call what should they call that group because Christian has been such a big part of with the Jurassic Express. And the first thing I'm thinking of is like Christian creationism or something. I don't know um, Christian evolution. Um, but either way, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess it's right there. Like Jurassic Classic is right there. One. That's a that is a good one. Um, but yeah. Uh, Clearly, it's funny. Almost, almost, uh, we're just gonna come into this episode and have the the title of it be uh, Jungle Beard, um, because this was the Jungle Boy show. This match, I mean, his beard fucking, his beard I don't fucking even sucks. It. Honestly, it's. I mean, as a a man of beard, as a, again for for the first time in a long time, but you know, having a history of being a a well bewhiskered be, 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 be man myself, um, I look at Jungle Boy's beard and I don't even see it as a beard. Uh, I don't even acknowledge it. I honestly, I know that you have an issue with it, but I legitimately like barely even notice that he has a beard. Um, it's just it's just when he first came out, it's like it's it's so hard to not notice, like. You know, you just you see them. He has a real bare bones, bare bones theme, and he just comes out and you see the <laughs> shitty beard. <Yeah. laughs> it's it's, t- it's tough not to notice, but I get you're just like oh, yeah. like he has a he has a I, he has a bad I, beard, I, or whatever. I, I barely even notice it's there. Um, but that said, like the young bucks kind of gave away the ghost, saying like, oh, we're gonna give Jungle Boy his, his first five star match, which I don't think that they did. But you watch the match, and they the clearly going out of their way to make Jungle Boy the focus, um, really trying to get Jungle Boy over here, and that's a uh, that seems to be the plan. I mean, he had a ton of really kick ass spots, um, a ton of stuff to really stand out, like when when the young bucks counter his double uh arm drag into them doing handsprings uh and then he answers back by countering their double arm drag into a handspring and then sitting down in the chair i mean that shit was just like okay like this is a hundred percent like look at check this guy out oh my god you know let's get this guy over right he does tons of big spots adam cole gets color you know what i mean like they're really putting it over the top to like let's get this guy over um and uh yeah, like I said, I don't think they delivered any five-star match, uh, but they do the torture stuff with him, put the fucking thumbtacks in his mouth. They just go all out. And um, and then even, like, uh, doing the, like, concerto. Like, one thing that I haven't gotten with this concerto story with um, with Jungle Boy, 
I mean, obviously, clearly the idea is that like what they what the, what they were going for is what they pulled off here. The Jungle Boy finally does the concerto, right? Um, and it's like it's passed down from Christian to him. The thing that I didn't understand from the beginning is that Jungle Boy has a tag team partner. And when they started doing the concerto, it was a tag team move with Edge and Christian doing it. So I never understood from the start Uh, why that he wasn't teaching the concerto. Like, why didn't Christian teach the concerto to Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus instead of just having it be the one man concerto and Jungle Boy does it? I think I think I think I think most people honestly forget that that was a uh, honestly that was a tag team move at first. I think people I think people forget that, honestly. Remember, like Edge, Edge, Edge made it so prominent during his like during his singles run. That's true. So, like, I feel like so I feel like people forget that the tag team move. And se- and second, like, yeah, AEW was fine with blood, and you'll get some, cha- but also still like the chair shot to the head, the chair right. shots to the head thing. Yeah, I mean it's so like. Oh, go ahead. Oh, say so like, yeah, I I definitely would. I think it's probably more impactful. If you do it the tag team way, but we all know that like Jungle Boy is a real exactly. person they see as a star yeah. eventually and all that kind of stuff. So the so the image of Jungle Boy performing the one man concerto and pinning and pinning um yeah. he beat Matt like in uh and, and pinning him like that's the better visual for when you have plans for someone as a single yeah, star. Yeah, that's forward. I mean that's clearly it. They wanted Christian basically Christian's handing down the the concerto to to jungle boy and that's fine but yeah the whole time that they've been teasing this i've been like why are they not having christian like teach it to them as a tag team it could be their tag it could be a tag team move for them but it's probably also pretty tough to time and pull it off right it's like it's pretty it's a pretty nuts move and and and, and, and sure. the height difference that too would probably not honestly it probably look pretty weird um with the the, the, the height yeah difference. but yeah yeah but yeah, so what did you think of the match? I guess I went off there a little bit, but uh, what were you thinking on this? It was fun. I mean, like we've seen like Bucks gimmick matches and Bucks do the plunder matches and stuff like that. So it was fun. Those are always like a baseline level of fun. But I think you also like can like very clearly see this being a vehicle for uh, for Jungle Boy's development as a star. And like even if the match itself, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly like in love with or whatever. You see that, like, they're they are gearing up for a big year for Jungle Boy in twenty twenty two. It looks like. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's definitely a big project for them. Um, did you notice early on that uh, Jim Ross called them the Four Pillows? Yeah, the Four was... Pillows was fucking. <laughs> that was so bad. Yeah, I don't know why Jim Ross is still in commentary. Honestly, um, like. I mean, yeah, but like, there's, there's no reason why this booth shouldn't yeah. be fucking Excalibur, Tony, Tony, and like, if you want to do like Taz yeah. or whatever. Like. Yeah, I mean, Team Taz is great, so I don't know if I want Taz to be a full time commentator while he's still doing Team Taz, but also like, fuck it, just do it. Like, I don't, I don't get it, but yeah, um, <laughs> that was at least on a show like this. Like, Team Taz, Team Taz wasn't anywhere near that. Wasn't anywhere on full gear, so like, yeah, might as well. Um. Either way, follow this up. You get the uh, the tag team match, which got to give a shout out to JML because when all that stuff was going on about the uh, the like oh Cody's clipboard, you could see the matches uh, on there, and everyone and everyone was saying that this was Cody versus Malachi or Andrade or Miro. 
um, that JML, former guest of the podcast, was like, I think it says ta- a tag team match. And it's Cody and whoever versus them, right? And people like in the Slack were like, oh, I don't know, what the fuck are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Why would Cody team with Malachi? And then here it is. After all was said and done, it ended up being that tag team match that I think JML was able. He said, I'm just reading the clipboard. But even the like news sites were reporting it, not saying it was a tag team match. They were saying it was like uh, just a Cody singles match, but it, they weren't sure who it was going to be or whatever. So got to give it up for JML for having having good eyesight and being able to read the clipboard. Um, but uh, but yeah, what did you think of the this tag team match, Quentin? This is fun. I mean, you know, people talk about WWE and how often they do the can can these partners coexist storyline and how that's one of the five storylines they do and how redundant and boring it can be and that's all that's true. But I think that it obviously works in this scenario because Cody and Pac have never done anything done anything like this. Uh, I think that it's a super interesting pairing for uh, on their end. And also Andrade and Malachi's a super interesting pairing that they're not getting, you know, viewed as like the uh like the the Parejas and Creibles uh in this scenario. It's more it's a Cody and Pack are treated more so like that. But the differences between Malachi and Andrade also also uh made for an interesting match there. This went on way too long. Like this goes fucking seventeen minutes. And you wouldn't, I, you, I don't understand why this goes on significantly longer than it has to. And it's fine. It's good. Like I still, I still enjoy it for the most part. The Andrade, the Andrade impact stuff was really good. The Malachi black impact stuff was really good. Um, so there's stuff there that I liked, but if you're asking me, uh, the match on the show that like the, where the match like bothered me the most is probably that tag match, even with even with the names involved, even with the names involved, that that match length still bothered me. Yeah, it was too long, and the post match stuff was like unnecessary after you've already gone so long. Um, I do think that this feud and this whole situation has been really good for Andrade, who's been kind of shaky, um, and people have been talking shit. I think coming out of this, he's looked he looks really good, and he looks like a, a plausible star. Um, so yeah, like you said, putting these teams together and doing this tag team work, um, doing the, you know, uh, parters increíble, parejas increíble, um, was a positive here, not just because of, as you talked about with Cody and Pac being an interesting dynamic between them two, but also that I think that this, this whole kind of four way feud thing has helped establish Andrade and make him look better. Um, obviously the feud with Cody has set Malachi Black up to be a top level star already. Um, it's just interesting because these four and this whole storyline and then also mixing in like, uh, FTR and everything else going on feels very siloed off and very separate from everything else to where we've now got this big babyface champion. And that's probably a good thing that they didn't, they didn't do a clear babyface turn for pack here and have him feel like, like, oh, him and Cody are just buddies. He's still got a hard edge because now you've got, in this match, you've got three heels that are really solidly possible challengers for uh, for Hangman. But this, like I said, this feud feels so separate from everything else that I don't know how you transition them into that, into like the main line storyline of everything else. Or if you continue this going a little bit longer or what you do because they just, but I guess you got time. I mean, Obviously, I think people that we're talking to are 
I guess we could talk about Paige's championship run once we get to the match later on. But, um, yeah, I just think that these guys, unfortunately, they're, like, in good positions for the way is everything going. But I just don't necessarily know that I know how you get there from here. Um, but I guess they have they can they could figure that out. Um, follow this up women's championship match. I think I really I like Ty Conti. I've liked her for a very long time. Obviously Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. I think she has another black belt. Um, so that's like naturally that's in my wheelhouse. I like people with legitimate backgrounds. Always have, always will. It's kind of my you know Anokiest Mark thing that that I have. But this really, really felt like a waste of a pay-per-view title match for Brit, and I think that she's not in a place where you can give her something like this, um, and just be like, "Oh, that's okay," because I don't think she's established enough. I think everybody overlooks it, and they just, "Oh, she's the star of the division. Oh, she's the biggest woman." But I don't think that she's like established to the point where people don't think of her match and the women's title match as like the bathroom break match, the unimportant match. Like, I think that people think Brit's the most important women's wrestler in the company. Sure. And she's the biggest star and all that, but I don't think that they take the women's division all that seriously. So you can't have a match that just feels like a throwaway defense. That said, I thought this match kicked ass. I thought the physicality was great. Um, the performances were really good, but I was not emotionally invested. I wouldn't say that it was a great match. I just think that everything was executed really well. I thought that Ty Conti looked really good compared to how people have been kind of down on her and maybe she's been not the best lately. I thought that she looked great here, like really good, made sense in this spot. Um, Britt was, you know, <laughs> Britt was Britt. She's got a lot of star power, but not the best wrestler, not the most entertaining wrestler. And that's always the funny thing because people shit on Ty, but like I think athletically... She's one of the more, like, natural ath athletic talents in the women's division. So it's always so odd to me when people talk really bad about her. Because it's like, her, the issues with her matches is, I don't know, I guess maybe a little bit of psychology. And sometimes she's a little sloppy. But, like, she does a lot more, like, good-looking. <laughs> like, she executes her moves really well. So I just think it's always very odd the way people talk shit on her as like not being a good wrestler because I think comparatively she's one of the better wrestlers that they have just for the like bones of the physicality. Um, but yeah, Quentin, what did you think of this? Um, I think that if you told me two years ago that this match would happen on a pay per view and be given like and be given sixteen minutes, I'd expect it to be worse. Oh yeah. Before you um, continue, again, this match also way too long. Both matches back to back too long. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um well I think that Ty has gotten better. We've talked about it before on the on here that Ty has gotten better. Personally I do feel like there is a bit of overcorrection with her in the case of leaving WWE. And now suddenly people have to act like, wow Look at how good, how much Ty Conti has improved and this and that. It's like, yeah, she's gotten better. I think she's a passable wrestler who has, who does some spots that do look good. Her pump kick looks really good. Like, she has at least a couple spots in, the ars in her arsenal that look legitimately very good. But I feel like there was a bit, a bit of overcorrection to the point where, like, oh, actually, Ty Conti's good. And it felt like, you know, in order to, like, Oh, look what WWE missed out on and stuff like that. I feel like, for me, for Nasa looking in, that's where that kind of sentiment, like, 
came from, and I think it leads to a situation here where, yeah, they've been building up Ty Conti for a while, but this situation is sort of sort of jumping the shark to be like, yeah, we're going to put Ty Conti out there in a 15-minute match on a pay-per-view, and Britt Baker is going to be the person that we trust to lead, lead Yeah, I mean, I agree it, with... It, if it, it feels like jump, it feels yeah. like jumping the shark. I agree with what you're saying there, but I think that it's like Ty Conti being this like volleyball in the fucking culture war between WWE versus AEW talk because, like you said, I think that there was a like there was a major like oh we can stick it to WWE by saying that Ty Conti has actually gotten great when she improved for a couple months, but then there was like a a reaction to that reaction of then people saying like, actually she's the dirt worst and she's actually the worst wrestler in the company and check out all yeah. of these fails and everything she does is on botchamania. You know what I mean? So it's just funny because it's like, yeah, realistically she's was not great, has never been great. She's got some natural athleticism and she can execute a few things pretty well and has charisma, but like everybody else is just too, too obsessed with like, her being good or bad is like uh, an explanation and a microcosm for the war between WWE and AEW. And I think that that's like the part where like people don't just judge her for at the level that she is now, which is really fucking funny. But and Tony Khan actually played into it with that bullshit with the Santana Guerra match. But I'm sorry for interrupting. Feel free to uh, to continue on. No, no, you're good. Like, you're much, like, like get, get, even gave a point that I didn't. Uh explained as indefinitely as you did, she kind of became the center of, like, AEW versus WWE culture war. So, so like, what, yeah, so, like, exactly. what, so, like, what exact, so, like, it's, it's not her fault, and I do feel like, in that way, that they've put so much behind Ty Conti and given her squash matches, and she looks good in her squashes, and she does, she does look good in, like, spots at times, but... No, Ty Conti shouldn't be out here working a fifteen minute match. I'm sorry, she's not ready for that. She's just she's just not. And I do like the physicality. I think I do think that Britt can work physical. I think that we've seen Britt more in her element when she gets to work physical. I think that Ty can obviously bring that with the legitimate background. And I think that Ty came off like someone that should be a star, but still, she's not. She's just not ready yet. She just doesn't have that yet, and maybe she never will. She's still young into young into the wrestling business but uh for me i i felt like the length bothered me most on the on the big tag and maybe and um this still probably went a little long but there's also still a, a woman's title match so i get it but yeah for me this felt like kind of like jumping the shark and be like okay guys like this ty conti thing like we need we need we need to relax we need to relax a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely she is the flashpoint for the culture war, and it's definitely it sucks because she's just like this young wrestler who's like not even from America. She's like fucking Brazilian, and she's got like good personality and clearly like works hard and just becomes like everyone lives and dies with like if she's good then that means AEW is good and if she's bad then that means that AEW is bad you know and it's just fucking crazy because she's fine she's fine and I've always thought that she's like I've always been like I said more in more uh, accustomed more inclined to like her because I like people who they wrestle like they have a shoot background they wrestle they have a shoot background which she does um but I am also not going to say she's the best wrestler, but she's also going up against Britt Baker, who, like, 
is the same thing. <laughs> like Britt Baker is also not a yeah. Brit, like how like how like how like how you know, like how much better is Britt not Baker much. than Psychoti? Like how not much? much better? They're both like personality, <laughs> charisma, good look, decent wrestler, and that's where they're at. So yeah, they didn't need to go 15 minutes on pay per view. They did not. You know, they're not the wrestlers for that, and that's why I say Britt need. I thought that the the Ruby Soho match was good for Britt because. Like, she needs to have an opponent who's better than her, and she needs to have a big title match that feels like it's a good match to continue to establish the women's division because the women's division, AEW, is not established as being on equal footing with the men's. And they need to continue to present it that way. So you you really don't have the leeway to do throwaway title matches like you can with the men's title. You know, it's just... Like, you can't do the Christian Cage fucking defense for the women's title right now because you're still barely even getting the title established. Um... Either way, whatever. Follow this up. <laughs> CM Punk, Eddie Kingston. Okay. Do either one of these guys just, like, have matches that are just matches now? At this point, every time these guys have a match, you're looking at a possible match of the year contender. They just c- continue to come yeah. out here and have amazing matches, and they do it again with each other. Um, yeah, Quentin, Quentin, what are your thoughts on this one? I think that's the perfect representation of what AEW uh, and like Cody talks about when it comes to like the like though they like they don't have to be like heels and faces and stuff like this. I think that everyone has looked at Eddie versus uh, Punk and looked for oh like this must mean that such and such is going to turn heel and this and that and it's not that it's two guys that are like both being assholes. You can say that Punk is isn't being very self aware and doesn't understand like how he's coming across and that him saying this to Eddie uh after punk after punk has achieved multi-million dollar level success and Eddie is just now getting his foot in the door that he seems like a guy punching down but Eddie was also an asshole and was angry at a guy who didn't do anything to him so like there's a lot going on there that makes this like story and everything about it so like so beautiful and great and there's became the most anticipated match on the show arguably for a reason and it went out there and it did exactly everything that people complain it did exactly the opposite of everything that people complain about wwe feuds like i'm gonna go burn down your house and kill your family and i'm gonna go out there and like do a tie-up with you there was there was none of that these two guys are pissed off at each other they want to fight each other they hate each other and we're gonna fight and I want to hit you so bad. I'm not even going to wait for the referee to get out the way. A spinning back fist before the before the bell even rings, and it's it's off to the races at that point. And like the most shocking thing of the night is probably punk ble- probably punk blading. You're like, oh shit! I didn't think that in 2021, not only would I see CM Punk wrestle again, I'd see CM Punk blade in a really good blade job and they play it up well in the camera work uh, when. Uh, punk is doing the scene of spots and everything about how punk looks there just looks fantastic and goes so what it goes so great with the the mindset that punk is in and how irritated he is with eddie kingston and how eddie kingston has been treating him and what he's brought out of him and eddie's personality how he's playing to the crowd and uh and, like in a in a in a in a in, a, in, a, in any moment the crowd can be all for eddie or all for punk and then Punk knew to lean in to the to the uh, to the booze and do the Cena spots and look out look off into the crowd and look crazy and the energy was so chaotic and so violent and felt so real and dangerous and like a 
real fight. And if anyone had this as their match of the year or whatever, I wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge them, wouldn't argue with them because this is 11 minutes and in 11 minutes it did everything that in its most basic form you're asking for pro wrestling to do. Tell a story, have compelling characters, compelling reasons for these characters, and they're going to go out there and engage you and compel you in their work. And in those 11 minutes, you're you're finding something more compelling than most wrestling companies can do with hundreds of hours of programming yeah, a year. This is this is it, boys. This is this is what wrestling is all about. I mean, fucking hell. Uh okay, the shorts. Love the shorts. Come on. Got to give it up for the shorts. Oh, yeah, those shorts yeah. those shorts got to give ass. it up for the shorts. Um like the stuff that you're talking about there and the back like the background like you know oh Randy Orton does a home invasion and tries to you know burn down your house and then you lock up or whatever like these guys realistically like they got in an argument a couple times they're pissed off but they haven't done anything over the top and you've got this background and this history that's swirling around too which I think is great because because AEW you know wrestling canon is AEW canon which I love like the idea that anything in the history of wrestling is fair game when it comes to AEW. So these guys connections and history with each other is awesome. Cause you got, you've got not just that like Kingston has always had the underlying beef with like hero and punk and hero are, are, are friends. I mean, you know, who knows where they're at now? Cause punk is, you know, at some point was net was not friends with anybody, but they'd never had any blow up and hero was on punks. Like, big documentary before he was even signed to or after he had was not signed with wwe anymore so they were still friendly at least at that point um and it's like kingston's got these issues with with uh with hero and they've got the they've got their own history with each other but they've also got interactions with each and issues with each other okay uh punk's got issues with quackenbush from back in the day and Kingston was always a Chikara guy and, you know, whatever, Quackenbush has got his issues. So it's like they've got on top of just each other's issues, they've got background and backstory and interactions where you're like, like you can see why something light, like just not getting along and fighting a little bit could blow up into this really heated thing. Cause they're like, yeah, you know what? Fuck you. Cause like you're an asshole to one of my friends and my friend, like they don't like you and they're probably right because you are a dick and you know you're being a dick to me right now like that kind of stuff works that kind of stuff is why people fight that's why people have these major issues it's real life it's not home invasion and all that stuff like arson and everything it's it's just how the real world works yeah i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna attack all your i'm gonna attack your in-laws punt your wife and then kiss her and then kiss her unconscious <laughs> body while you're handcuffed to the bottom rope i'm gonna invade your house well, you're on the couch with your wife and everything, and then when we wrestle, yeah, we're gonna exactly. lock up. Nah, it's it's these guys are like, <laughs> man, fuck you, fuck you. I, you know what, you know what, I never liked you, and you know what, you know whoever they were right, you are a dick, and you, there was no reason for you to be a fucker to my friend before, and now I'm realizing, yeah, you know, and, and it just, and it's just so funny for people to be like, like, oh, like this, like such and such must be turning heel, and it's like, no, like. Let's be clear. If you want, even if you like Eddie built up some kind of like goodwill here, goodwill here, or to, even if you like Punk might have been more antagonistic. Eddie is the one right. that caused that, right? <laughs> like, like Punk is not wrong for being for like being like, hey man, what the fuck? Yeah, no, exactly. Like, like Punk started. Punk was over the top. Eddie 
or Eddie kind of started it by being over the fucking top, and then Punk kind of went along with it. He didn't. He should have just let it go, kind of, because, you know. Yeah, Punk. If anything, Punk should have been like, okay, like you know what? This guy's upset. He's not mad at me. He's mad that he lost. Like whatever. But he's like, no, yeah. hold on, like. You, like I know you. You don't get to talk right, to me like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> it's like Punk didn't need to fucking Big Brother Eddie, and Eddie, of course, has a chip on his shoulder because he's always gotten Big Brothered by guys like Punk. Oh, because I don't work out enough. You know, like he's got plenty of reasons to have this fucking chip on his shoulder from people like this. So yeah, it was perfect because it was definitely shades of gray. Everybody was wrong, well, and everyone was right. Um, and yeah, it was just phenomenal. And then the match itself, obviously, like you talked about it, but it was just soaking in everything. Tons of, you know, again, I think that there was maybe a little bit, for my personal taste, a little bit of over-the-top melodrama with the camera, you know, getting the close-up of the bloody face and things. They, uh, not even just say don't do it, but they, like, would hang on it for a really long time. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah, they, 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 hang, they did hang on it for a while, but, like, I also don't think Punk was making ridiculous no. faces either, which is why I didn't, I didn't bother me. Like, his, his face is... If anything, ridiculous. it was just at the end. Like, and, after and, it was over, he made a kind of ridiculous face. But that was, like, after the match was over. But other than that, yeah. He was uh, he was mostly uh, mostly pretty tame comparatively to the kind of shit that we see. Um, if anything, he's given that Thousand Island stare. Uh, just like he was off in the distance. Um, so, yeah. The, uh, the definitely, definitely, uh, I mean, yeah. Match of the year. I mean, I could see it. I could definitely see it. Depending on... What you're looking for in wrestling, like this is, this is not far off for me. Like this is even the kind of stuff I like. Like the the storytelling, the drama, the the violence, the blood, like all of that was phenomenal. I love like you talked about opening it up with just quick back fist, boom, get this motherfucker started. That was perfect. Set the tone, and then it was just violence, and it was a fight the whole way through. Um, yeah, I, I, lo- I love the punk hitting the two, hitting, hitting two G, uh, GTSs on Eddie, like. The first one being kind of a desperation one, and Punk still being kind of dazed and out of it, and then hitting like the uh, the second definitive one in the match. I, yeah, I, no, I like I that. It was a great, great uh, device for it because you have not seen a ton of that from Punk. Um, you haven't seen him spamming finishers or doing a bunch of big near falls. Not even a kick out. You know, just even just hitting the the move twice. Um, so yeah. Uh, you ready to move on to the the match of the night? All right, was it was yes. fucking Dan Inner Lambert circle versus American Top Team All right. match of the night? Clearly, no question. Ten uh, man tag Minneapolis street fight. Um, no, I mean, whatever. I don't. I don't even fucking care to talk about this. Honestly, I think that I don't. Want, I, I'm tired of. I'm tired of fucking Sons of Anarchy Inner Circle. I, I just. I, I want. I want this group gone. I want it done. <laughs> I don't want any more of it. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely we keep they teased a bunch of times like Jericho was gonna fucking go on tour, like get the fuck out of here. I'm honestly to the point where I would rather just have Jericho be full time on commentary. We were talking about the commentary teams earlier. Because if he if Jericho was just on commentary, I could just fucking turn it on mute and not have to deal with him as much as as having this still around and I mean if Inner Circle became Sammy's group it'd be a lot better automatically. Um but uh yeah the only thing that, like, whatever, worthwhile here, fucking uh, Junior Dos Santos rocks. This guy was born for wrestling. Yes, he like, does. Like, he's just, I loved him in UFC, but man, he has got a second career ready as, as in fucking wrestling. This guy is, uh, 
He's born for it. And, and, like, I, and, and like, I don't have a problem with Dan Lambert. I don't have a problem with him. Like, I, I, like the dude, he goes up there, he, like, fucking, like, be, is a heel and antagonizes and gets heat and talks shit and then goes up there and fucking stooges and, and loses and loses. Like, well, probably the big thing for me is that Jericho's frog splash actually looked pretty good. That's a pretty good frog <laughs> well, splash. Well, there was no way it was gonna look worse than his fucking dance beforehand. Him trying to do the Latino heat yes. shoulder shake was brutal. So yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, the frog come on, that, that was a pretty good frog it splash. It was out of all of the fucking Eddie tribute spots throughout the night. That was the one that was the best. Oh man, yeah. uh, I love Eddie just oh, as much yeah. as everyone else does, but like. Come on. Yeah. Can we just... Can we cool Well, it? I talked about it even just on the podcast, we, the last podcast we did before this, about my history with my sister and wrestling fandom and Eddie Guerrero and his death being a big deal because of us bonding over being fans of Eddie and stuff. But yeah, like, this was... This felt like, what the fuck is going on, man? All night. Yeah. It was just like, come on. Like, can we just relax a little bit, man? I mean, all right. It, like I okay. said, or like you're saying, it makes sense. Eddie was very influential, and the kids that were raised on Eddie are finally are getting to this age where they're the top stars. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's uh, I don't need an Eddie tribute spot in every match. Um, but luckily, <laughs> in the main event here, the actual, I don't know, I don't, I guess I would say not actually the main event or the the match of the night, but actually the main event, we did not get uh, any Eddie tribute stuff here. Um, unless you count cheating as an Eddie tribute, but uh, either way, and any heel chicanery yes, exactly. is Eddie invented being a heel. Um, we've got Kenny Omega, Adam Page. Uh, we unfortunately didn't do a podcast last week, so I didn't get to one last time say um, that you know they've gone too far, they've gone too long without pulling the trigger on Adam Page, and that the fans have turned on him. Um, I wanted to get that in one last time, Quentin, but unfortunately uh, couldn't do it because here it is, and they pulled the trigger. Um, what were uh, what did you think of the match? Um, bland and uninspired. Uh, this is like the big AEW match that they've been building towards and the moment they've been building towards for a couple of years now. I would expect them to have a much more compelling structure for both guys to give more compelling performances, um, have more compelling ideas. And this just, it didn't have it. It didn't have it. And I feel like that almost was reflected in the crowd. Like the crowd came alive for certain near falls and stuff. But I didn't feel like they had the crowd in the palm of their hands, really either. And that could be like Minneapolis isn't like known as being like this like great like wrestling city in the last like twenty twenty uh, twenty five years or whatever or anything like that. But this just it didn't feel as special as it as it should as it should have. I feel like some of it falls on like the overall like structure and layout, which goes to like. You know, if they if they have agents back there and whoever whoever helped like come up with the ideas here, I feel like Kenny wasn't like trying to make you root for Adam Page. I feel like it relied on the idea of that you're already coming in, so you're already rooting for Adam Page. It didn't do anything to like put any additional heat on it, to put any additional desire to want to see Adam Page win. It wasn't the most antagonistic Kenny performance. It wasn't the most mean Kenny performance. It wasn't the most petty. 
Kenny performance or anything like that. And Adam Page for as uh, for um how he's grown as a wrestler the last couple of years and how he's really took this character and run with it and become one of the uh biggest biggest potential stars in wrestling. He didn't really do much here to to reel me in either. And um you know you get some cool stuff down the stretch. You get some cool sequences and everything, but overall I think there's like a largely forgettable uninspired match from two people in a in a situation in which I expected better from them. We saw them in full gear last year, full gear uh, last year with the title eliminator tournament match, and I thought that was excellent. I thought that was great, and I don't think they came anywhere close this time. I feel like the match itself dropped the ball big time. Adam Page won, in like no silly moment, but I don't know. It ended, and I didn't. It didn't feel as special as you would have thought, and like I didn't watch it live. I didn't watch the pay-per-view live. I was at work, so I only caught this today as we're getting ready to ready to record. I wanted to have a, a couple of days to separate myself from the like immediate reactions I've seen from Twitter and everything like that. So, you know, maybe I'm not as wrapped up as swept up in it, but I can still I, my ears still work. I still know what like a hot wrestling crowd sounds like because we just saw one um, a month or so ago when Adam Page came back and won the title. I mean, I won the title, won the won the chance, won the chance to challenge. So, I I don't know, dude. I feel like this match left a lot to be desired and should have been a lot better than it actually was. You know, at least Adam Page won. I guess like at least they did this at the right time. And for what it's worth, it still is a moment. And like some of it probably does fall in Minneapolis, just not being that great of a wrestling crowd. But I, I was very disappointed by this. Yeah, I. Uh... I, um, I'd say I agree with you for the most part here. Um, you have to keep in mind, right, that Kenny Omega has, uh, no shoulders, uh, bad back, uh, vertigo, fibromyalgia, uh, chronic Lyme disease. Uh, you know, I mean, according to Dave Meltzer, Kenny Omega can barely walk, right, and should be in an iron lung. Um, I just think it's so funny the way that, that someone who's, been a wrestling journalist and has covered wrestling for so long, just buys into all of this shit, uh, that you get told, um, you know, but there is some stuff that like watching it back, thinking about, Oh, Kenny's shoulders are so bad. I am kind of like, Oh, maybe he did, you know, maybe he adjusted, this, but nothing that really fucking matters. Um, and nothing that really should have affected the match as much as it did here. Like really? Um, that said, I mean, the real fucking problem, the real issue here, is Adam Page. Like, you're right, Kenny did not bring it. Kenny was fucking really boring. I, I'm shocked how fucking boring Kenny was in this match. Because that's one thing that I think, good or bad, that you can never fucking say about Kenny is that... Like, the, the negatives usually about Kenny is that he's over the fucking top and too cartoony and does too much bullshit. Like, I don't know where the fuck he was in this match. Like, he was... Kenny was better in the fucking yeah. Christian matches. Kenny was better in the Jungle Boy match. Kenny was obviously better in the Brian match. It just wasn't. It just wasn't here tonight. It just. I think Kenny. Maybe Kenny was checked out. Maybe he really, truly is that banged up and like he was just checked out. But like he wasn't on one. But then Paige didn't no, fucking Kenny help. Felt like he was going through the motions, and that would be bad enough. But Paige is just. 
I don't know. He's just, he's one of these, like, I think he's just hot and cold. I think Paige, he's still obviously young. and But, like, realistically at this point, he's been being prepared for three years almost to be at this level. And, like, he's just not quite there. The crowds are given, are, like, like, you know, whatever on him, really shaky on him. He did not bring it. I was not seeing fire, intensity, like, I wasn't seeing any of his control sequences, any of his stuff. Like, I was not getting any emotion from him. I was not getting fire. I was not getting fucking, like, you know, real emotion from him. His selling was was fine, but even that was, like, not gripping. It was not engaging. Like, fuck, I hate to say this. And I was, like, I, was, I joked about it in the beginning. Like, oh, it's too late. They, they fucking missed the boat. I'm, I'm almost at the point now where I'm like, no, th- there's just no boat to fucking miss. Like, this is, he's just not the guy. When they didn't go with him in the beginning when he wasn't ready, that was the right call. Um, but I think now this was the wrong call. I don't know that Paige is the fucking guy. I really am just not, we'll see about this title run, but crowds just don't, they care about him to an extent. He's good and he's funny with the Dark Order. You know what I mean? Like that's, he's that kind of guy and I don't know if he's a top guy. Maybe it's just as a baby face. Maybe as a heel, he can he could do it if they if they switched him. I don't know, but like, I like him. I you know I think I Adam Page he's hot. I think he's you know he's a good looking dude. I've liked his stuff. I I think he's he's like Country Jack. I remember loving Country Jacked and thinking like oh this guy's awesome. I remember the fucking the stupid trucker hat, Adam Page in ROH. I mean, I mean, shit. Like, like, how, how much praise do we give give the Bucks versus uh, Hangman and Kenny Tag from last year? How much of that was praising? Yeah. How much of that was yeah, praising? There's Hangman? something there, but it's almost like, is it is it that he doesn't have that top guy thing? He can't be the champion. You know what I mean? He can't be the main event. Like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if he can get there. It doesn't help that like you had a fucking bloodbath I- with Punk, and then you had like. It looked like he put some red food coloring in the front of his fucking bangs, like he tried to blade here. Shit, even even Adam even Adam Cole yeah, in the box Adam Cole got more blood than this. Like, dude, where's the fucking? I need to see some blood, man. Like, we got nothing here. And you're supposed to be the alcoholic cowboy. Your blood should be nice and thin and should be flowing. Look, 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 there, look, there was nothing here. There was no nothing here. Like, yeah, like. Kenny was in control and like Hangman for the for, for the first half didn't really get any offense, but like. There was no fucking story of an injury, like a neck injury, leg injury, back injury, any kind of injury. There was no like real good, like real good blade job, selling a concussion, anything to make you care beyond the fact that Hangman's getting a title shot. There was literally nothing beyond that. Like, and I get it. You've kind of earned that. I understand that because you have kind of earned that. Like, you like have Hangman. And this dude has been molten hot for however however long now, and right now you decide to pull the trigger, and you've earned to just I guess you theoretically earned the right to be like, you know what, this like this night we're gonna like it is all about just Hangman like overcoming Kenny, but I feel like you should have him overcome him in a big in a bigger way than 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 just you know he eventually just hits the hits the buckshot yeah like. I don't know. Nothing about this felt like this big, valiant baby face who's over, who, who's overcome all his like self doubt 
and obstacles and everything like that. Like what's the like the prime example here would be, you know, like Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville, and what's that iconic shot, right? I feel like they tried to have their own version of this when they, you know, like Matt is giving yeah. the nod to Hangman to go ahead and do it, but. Like, what's that kind of shot from Sammy versus Neville? It's Sammy wiping away, like, all his fears in that one, like, motion down his face. And he runs in and does the halluva kick. And he wins the belt. And it's like, you don't even get that great of a fucking visual on Hangman's win because the cam- because the camera cut is still so focused on Matt Jackson having his lip quivering and making that face, you know, about, ha- about Hangman winning. And I like Matt Jackson. I think that Matt Jackson, as far as quote-unquote actors in wrestling... I feel like he's typically one of the better ones when it comes to executing stuff like that. But, like, this was supposed to be about yeah. fucking Hangman. It was too subtle. Like, I think Matt Jackson can be a good wrestling actor or whatever, but, like, you know, trying to be subdued and trying to, like, fucking win some, like, Academy Award-style performance here. This is pro wrestling, and I'm sorry. Like, I get, like, you want to do a layered detail. You don't make it so obvious because Matt is still with Kenny, and he's not cheering on hangman but he's just like giving him the nod saying you know what finish it you know not like cheering him but i'm sorry he should have gone over the top he should have given him the fucking office he should have been like you got it went you know big gesture over the top this is pro wrestling i'm sorry this is not fucking movies this is not cinema i don't need i don't want subtle acting i want over the top i want to see it i want you to beat me over the head with it and say nick jackson is yeah, yeah, do something in the fucking do something in do something in the fucking post match. Like have them grab Kenny out of the ring after Hangman hits the buckshot, and then just like give Hangman like a head nod and a thumbs up, like something like that. Why you took away yeah. from the fucking closing moment of Hangman yeah. winning? I, I don't yeah. understand. Um, and here's the thing: I didn't I didn't say it at the time because I was trying to you know I think we were, did a bunch of stuff. We don't review AEW constantly blah 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 like trying to just be positive but there was a big hangman promo leading into this stuff um that a lot of people i saw praising it and being like oh this is so good i'm so excited for hangman but he had a line that was like we set out to change the world but in the end the world changed us and i was just like that is fucking mayor pete shit like the thing that everyone mocks fucking pete Buttigieg for saying that kind of shit that was like so that shit. And I'm just like thinking about it now and watching this. I'm like, that's the problem with Adam Page right now. He's supposed to be relatable. He's supposed to be the millennial cowboy who's got self-doubt, you know, and he orders seamless and he stays home and he's doing No Nut November and all this stuff. Like you're supposed to think that he's one of us, but it's hollow and it has this like this layer of cheesiness that feels like it's a fucking put on and it's the same. It's the fucking mayor Pete bullshit where it's like, Oh, you know, he's just playing. He's like trying to play this character of, you know, I'm the relatable. I'm just like you guys. I'm, you know, fellow millennials. We all have student debt. It's tough. And it's, it's really hard to deal with. And it's just like, that's the problem. Like I'm not getting any real emotion because there's this layer of like false separation between the man and the character And even on top of, like, what he's trying to present himself as is, like, not even... He's, like, there's a layer of of irony or, like, separation even between, like, the character and the performance. The whole thing, it's just, like, none of it feels authentic. None of it feels real because you can't be... You gotta... you, You can't be cringe, right? You can't be authentic. You have to be based... You have to be like you have to have a layers of irony in between yourself and any true feelings or else like, you know, you're cringe. 
And that's like kind of the problem with Hangman. He's trying to be the millennial hero or the millennial character. And like that shit doesn't work because in wrestling, I want like real emotions. There's enough fucking fake emotions and trying to cover up for how I really feel in day-to-day life. I want to watch wrestling and see some real shit. And that's why Eddie Kingston and CM Punk is fucking amazing because that feels like some real shit. And Adam Page coming out here, this just feels like a fucking put on. And I just don't, I just don't get into it the same way. So yeah, like, that's part of it too. No emotion, no connection, just like, eh, you know, it's over. He won the championship, you know? I want to see the real man. I want to see, like, the real Adam Page, and I just feel like we don't see it. So hopefully, hopefully they can get there with him, and, like, he can grow into the championship, but right now I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, right now it's like... I just, I just don't know. Like, is he going to be a guy where, like, the chase was better and that he should drop the belt, like, relatively soon? Because, like, I think that him beating an undefeated Brian Danielson is bigger than him beating Kenny Omega. Like, the, everyone, the person that everyone expect, expected him to beat or, like, was like, he should beat Kenny. I think that him eventually beating Brian would be, like, a big step for him. And hopefully Brian can be that guy that, like, you know, really gets what's needed out of him. And then, like, you look at MJF. Like, MJF won earlier the, earlier uh, in the show, beating Darby. So, on paper, you look at that, and you're like, okay, a hangman, ver- a hangman versus MJF program could be something to look forward to in 2022 with the promos and the character work and maybe MJF trying to drive those self-doubts back into Adam Page and everything and maybe even a Malachi Black and Malachi Black trying to prey on Adam Page's fears and something like that. Who knows? But... As it as it stands right now, who who would have thought that la- that like based off of last year at Revolution, after that incredible tag match between Kenny and Hangman versus the Bucks, that you're here almost two years later and you're like, eh, about Hangman winning a title, and it's not even about like a waiting a waiting too late or doing whatever, not pulling the trigger. It he didn't deliver in the spot. The match didn't deliver in the spot. It's not about waiting too long or missing the boat or doing whatever. Like the people, the parties involved just didn't deliver something quality. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I really don't know, man. It's we'll see, but it's, it's an uphill battle for me. It's an uphill battle. MJF is a good feud. I think that they have some, some, some opposition to each other that works, but, uh, but yeah, this is, uh, this is not, not it. Uh, Quentin, do you have any more thoughts about uh, AEW full gear before we uh, before we move on? Uh, no, I don't. I don't got. I don't got. I don't got anything. Uh, anything here. Hopefully, like I mean, like again, like, I think we both want the Hangman thing to work out. I think we both don't want it to like fail or anything. But right now, after that, it just like felt so kind of empty that it's like, you know, like hey, we'll see. Yeah. Um. One thing I will say before we head out is uh, if you want to see some real shit, some real emotion, all the stuff I was just talking about, uh, the Nick Gage Invitational number six just happened. Um, and uh, eh, you know what? For the most part, it's whatever. Skip to the final. Uh, I'll Spoiler alert if anyone cares. I don't think you care, Quentin. Uh, Alex Colon versus uh, uh, Takeda as the final uh fucking oh, wild right. you know these guys history you know that they've had some fucking sick ass death matches with each other before 
Alex Cologne gets a fucking nasty gusher in the middle of this. It's that's fucking brutal. Like, yeah, I uh, like I said, you want to see some real shit? Check this out. There's there's some other stuff throughout the tournament that's okay, but uh, you could skip it all and just watch the final and be and be cool. Um, otherwise, that's about it. I will say uh, there's a Ueno uh, versus uh, Yoshimura match on the Do that's uh, got a little. Get a little uh, shoot color that's worthwhile to check out as well. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's it. Oh, I also watched the new XPW show, and it was really bad. No one watched any of it. It's fucking terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> Either way, Quentin. Well, th- th- thank you, thank you, thank you, Tim, you know. for uh, I know. uh, yeah, for 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 sitting for sitting. No one could have so, predicted uh, it, right? So no one else would have to. Yeah, no one would have predicted that the XPW yeah, show would be bad. <laughs> um, yeah, they have new shirts that the crew was wearing for the XPW show that on the back said like, uh, "We're so woke, we've never slept." It was fucking insane. I'm just like, "Oh my god, yeah." Because you know, Rob Black is he fucking hates woke people. He's this is number one scourge is wokeness. I, yeah, I, so, I, I yeah, bet it is a lot of fun. Uh, they have Brian Cage win their championship, so you can imagine how good that show was. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Either way, Quentin, you can, uh, I guess, any last thoughts, anything else you want to talk about before we go, or we can head on out? Uh, nope. I'm good here. Um, I guess we'll figure out what we'll do next week. Maybe go back to Dio. Maybe do some indies. We'll figure it out. We'll find something. But thank you all for listening. And I'll be here next time. Oh